Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. I am joined by Kyle Mackey and Jeff Went this week. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great, Dominic. Uh, what a what an interesting game we dealt with on Friday night, and you know what a what a superb effort from the boys. Uh, you can't ask for anything better, and a you know and a goalless month, or was, you know goalless month allowed in June. You can't ask for anything better. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, Jeff. I mean, I'm doing great, you know, re- recovered from Dollar Beer Night in that crazy game, you know. I mean, my, me and Dominic were standing together in the supporters section, and our nerves that entire second half, you know, it was just, that was a, that was a tight, tense game. But, I mean, we I'd love to see that kind of just perseverance out of the team. And, you know, that I think we saw one of the most team- complete efforts out of the phoenix on that in that 60 minutes i mean that was just that was insane (laughs) yeah definitely definitely not um especially to get the monkey off our back so to speak against this team that we had drawn four straight times against when you see the red card you're thinking oh geez here we go again at best case it's a draw but hats off to all the defenders for coming through huge and for carl making a couple important saves yeah, definitely for sure. So, Jeff, do you want to take us into this match on Friday night? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go through uh, what, what we saw on Friday night. Obviously, no changes to the starting eleven again. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about this. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mentality and Rick Chance is taking it, and running with it, and and uh, you know, I, I right away in the fourth minute when when Johnson gets that ball over to Asante. You're thinking, wow, this is going to be a really quick start for the boys. But, boy, when he shanked it off his foot wide, did you not have a little bit of trepidation early thinking, oh, boy, if this is the way that early's going to be, are we going to have a rough night putting it in the net? I mean, that was definitely a small thought, but I think so early in the match, you don't really think too negative like that. Not until, like, 30 minutes in would I start thinking negative like that. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, no, I, I can't say I was having a, a worrying thoughts. I mean, it's it's always positive to see us get a chance early on. But I mean, you, you I mean, you love to see that go in early on, you know, and to to get us up one nil in the fourth minute. But um, I mean, just the fact that we were able to to get something going early on, I think that was that was a sign from Phoenix, you know, that they they came ready to play. Um, but no, I I mean, I wasn't worried. I wouldn't say. Yeah, but yeah, no, they did come to play, and obviously that come to play came uh, right in the 13th minute. A beautiful ball from Chris, uh, from Kevon Lambert to Chris Cortez, and Cortez obviously did not miss with his shot. Uh, put it right in the back of the net behind Andre Rawls, uh, who had come into this match having seven clean sheets on the season and only allowing uh, 11 goals on the season so far. So to get one by Rawls early like that and make it a one nothing lead had to give the boys, obviously a lot of confidence after that first one. Yeah, no, no doubt. That was a, uh, an incredible goal. And we were talking before this even started and I was so impressed with Kavon Lambert's ball on that goal. Uh, the way he was able to thread it, perfect weight over two defenders, and uh, hats off to Cortez for once again coming up big and a beautiful finish into that right side netting. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, for me, not not only the ball itself, but Lambert's vision, because when he gets that ball, his back is turned to Cortez. But, you know, I think just with the chemistry and his peripherals when he made that turn, he was able to see Cortez was making that run, and he just got that ball off. And, I mean, it, like you said, it was a perfect lofted ball over the top, and Cortez made no mistake with that finish. I mean, I think we saw he got off to a hot start this season, and, I mean, he has not let up. He, every opportunity he's getting, he's taken it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, t- I just – it was just such a great volley. He put his laces right through it. And yeah, at that point, I think there was nothing Rawls could do to stop that. Yeah. You know, we, we talked a few weeks back, you know, right when, when, uh, Didier Drogba had left for his world cup duties with BBC, we had, we had asked the question, was anybody going to step up, you know, in his absence and, and be kind of like a team leader to push forward. Um, and obviously it looks like the person that has kind of come through, I mean, at least in our eyes, it seems like maybe Chris Cortez. Oh, he has. I think I think Cortez has, but I, I wouldn't say he's been alone. I think Awako has stepped up his play. He didn't get to play much on uh, on Friday, but um, I mean, Solomon Asante, he's been consistent all throughout the season. But even you know, Kavon Lambert, and then the, I mean, we don't even have to talk about how the defense has stepped up and Carl Wazinski over this past month. So. I think I think the whole team has taken it upon themselves to to you know take care of the team while Drogba's gone. You know, I think he he knew he left the team in good hands and when he comes back, you know, I think, you know, we're a serious playoff contender still. So yeah, so we get into obviously what is obviously the the talking point of the first half. Uh, 35th minute, uh, Seton gets a ball in behind the, the rising defense. Cody Wakasa turns to make a tackle, obviously catches him from behind. Uh, the referee, uh, in his discretion, felt that it was uh, an obvious goal-scoring opportunity taken away. So Wakasa's showing the red card, 35th minute. 
we obviously know how the fans felt about that. They weren't happy with the call. I've gone back and forth with this a number of times. You know, I understand it's the letter of the law, and if the letter of the law is correct, then you have to show the red card. But at the same time, you look at the play. It's the first hard foul of the game from Phoenix Rising. It's even Cody Wakasa's first hard foul of the match. So you're thinking maybe, you know, with such a hard foul like that, you give him a yellow card. But, I mean, you know, those of us who, who watch the game know and understand that, you know, while we may think of one thing, if, that if you follow the letter of the law, it's the right call. Dominic, I mean, you and I talked about this beforehand, and obviously you feel kind of kind of the same way I do, that even though, you know, it was a hard foul and a first foul, you, it's the right call to make at that time. Yeah, I mean, as, as frustrating as the call might be for us um when you look at it on the replay when you look at it especially in slow-mo it's definitely the right call um there's a great ball through and wakasa was beat basically it would have been a one-on-one opportunity and so the only thing that really wakasa could do to prevent that one-on-one opportunity was uh take the man down and when you do that in that spot right outside the box uh the ref really doesn't have you know, a lot to do other than give a red card. Um, you know, good run by Michael Seaton to get open there. Um, and it's it's frustrating because we've seen this from Cody Wakasa, not in a long time, not since last year, but uh, he did make a couple reckless challenges last year, and you had thought he had taken the next step. And um, it is what it is. It's a red card. And... I think what was more upsetting was that Asante then gets a yellow card right afterwards. That was, that was more upsetting than the red. I mean, in the heat of the moment, you, you think it's a bad call, but it, you can't really argue it. No, no. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is, yeah, the fact that it's a straight red and that there hadn't been any yellow cards up until that point. So I, I just feel like maybe that was, you know. Like Jeff said, it could have been a yellow, but I mean, it, like you said, if, if we're sticking to the letter of the law, it's, it's preventing a goal-scoring opportunity, so it it's a justifiable red, I would say. Um, I mean, it, it's I'm just glad it was on the outside of the box. <laughs> Had it been on the inside of the box, I would have been much much more uh, frustrated with the call. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, you know. In the impending time it took, uh, they ended up skying the free kick over the wall, uh, over the top of the net, so that you know no no harm, no foul came out of that effort. But then uh, you know a, a great decision, as you guys talked about, you know, uh, off air before we started in getting uh, Luigi Mala on the field right away. Obviously coming in in the 39th minute for for uh, a Gladstone walk. I mean, yeah, you hate to bring off somebody in the midfield like. But obviously, it was the right decision to to reinsert the four in the back, play four in the midfield, have one person chasing the top. You know, was basically the smart idea because you know that this Orange County team's gonna run at you, do a lot of different things. Uh, obviously, they did in the final parts of the first half, right? Top of time, Queen shot off in the in the fifth minute uh, that was to save on. Uh, they get a free kick uh, right before. The end of the first half that enables and eyes uh, over the top of the net, um, but to get out one nothing the half uh, ahead, 
and to get out and have an opportunity to set yourselves up and say, okay, where do we need to play ourselves defensively to give ourselves the best chance of holding this one nothing uh, advantage? Obviously, very key, you know, to get to that point. If they, you don't get to that point, and you're like one one, and you know, now you're sitting there scrambling, trying to figure out. Okay, well, now we've got to figure out a way to get a second goal. At least now you have an opportunity to sit back and say, okay, let's take a look at things and let's see what we can do to exploit everything. I mean, it was, you know, a great time for everything to happen. Sort of. That's a really yeah. good. That's a really good point, um, because. You know, as as opposed to like the Fresno match where it happened earlier in the half, even though they made it to halftime at nil nil that match, to be ahead one nil before the red card, and then to get into the break because there was a lot of stoppage time in that first half, and Orange County was probing. They they did have some free kick opportunities, but uh, getting those fifteen minutes, you can kind of come up with a game plan. You can kind of take a step back see what needs to be done to preserve the lead and maybe create chances to double it. Um, so good on those defenders for staying strong, seeing out the first half, and especially uh, Mala replacing a walkover for this last few minutes. Uh, once you get to halftime at 1-0, then at least you feel a little bit more confident that, okay, at the very least, we can, we can get a draw out of this now. I was really scared about conceding right before halftime. Yeah, yeah, like said Dominic, I mean great for great for them not to become overwhelmed by being down a man and let emotions take over and possibly give up a goal going into halftime uh you know down a man but up a goal is huge and I think that probably Rick's message you know is headless right now so if if we can tighten up our shape and you know just defend as a team they they he probably told them they could see how to win I mean you know I don't think I don't think Rick was gonna gamble and go for a win but I think I think that uh, his message to them was that they were in a great position and all they had to do was just finish the job. Yeah, you're you're right about that. And obviously, coming back out in the second half held their held their shape for for a very long, solid period of time. I mean, Orange County doesn't really get their first opportunity in the second half until the sixth minute uh, when they get a, a shot by uh, Alston that hits off the off the crossbar and fortunately enough that all comes down and it comes down right to an Oregon player who tries to put it in the back of the net but called for offside. So obviously that's the key play right there. Um, and then substitution in the 68th, getting freighter on Cortez, obviously, you know, Cortez, you know, trying to stay up top, you know, being the running type of person that he was, you know, an outlet every now and then, obviously smart to get fresh legs on at that point, you know, for that person up top, um, you know, a couple of key shots come, you know, come in here, uh, 72nd minute, uh, Christian Duke gets a shot on goal. Like Carl Wazinski has to make a good save on, you know, and then Phoenix rising goes on the attack, uh, towards the, the end of the 70, uh, the ninth minute there gets a ball to Kevon Freider who misses a shot just wide. Uh, you know, obviously, Chance telling them to pick their, you know, to pick their spots, but you know, 
make little advances and give that back line uh, a little bit of a breather. You know, perfect timing for that. You know, to see Kevon Frader get out in front of one and just miss it. Um, and you could see at that point that uh, that Andre Rawls was kind of laboring a little bit, you know, because he had taken a shot, you know, about 10 minutes earlier. He had taken a shot from Mike Font in the ribs um, on, a, on a free kick. And you, you could tell at that point that Rawls was laboring a little bit. He, he definitely looked shook up after that hit. Um, I mean, I don't think... I don't think he had a serious injury. At least I didn't notice anything like that, any contact. But, I mean, he, he did not look as comfortable as he did after that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that bringing Frieder on was a great choice. I mean, just to get the energy out there and some fresh legs. Um, and, I mean, he, he's dangerous. He, you know, he's he's one of those players we can kind of put the ball over the top to him. And uh, if he times his run right, he can get in and, take the defender one-on-one. So I like the substitution there. Yeah, definitely good time for it. Uh, Cortez did what he had to do, got the goal, and then bring on someone a little more defensive there. One other play that wasn't mentioned that I want to give a shout-out to Carl Wazinski for is 66-minute Thomas Enidvoldson, who entered this weekend tied for the league-leading goals, he got a great through ball, and he was really one-on-one with Carl. Um, a really nice opportunity for Orange County there, and, and Carl just comes up big, saves it with his right shin, and uh, preserves the lead there. So just want to give a shout-out to Carl. Credit where credit's due. Yeah, definitely, definitely you know, a good shout-out there. Um, you know, obviously some bigger efforts come here towards the end of this match. You get in the 84th minute. Carl has to make a great save on a shot uh, from Michael Deaton again. Um, then in the 87th, you get Evan Waldrop coming on for Solomon Asante, which was another good substitution, which we'll get into as we get to the later parts of this match as well. Um, then you have uh, in the 88th minute, Envolson gets tries to chip Waz, but Waz uh, uh, covers that and has no problem with it. And then the big one was a great shot from a uh, great header from Envolson in the 92nd minute, which Waz had to make a real diving save on it. A real solid effort uh, on that one. And that I think that save there pretty much preserved the match because um, obviously in the end, two great plays from Evan Walsh. The first getting a shot off in the 95th minute, just missing on the short side. And then in the 96th minute, a great ball deal to Waldrop. Waldrop gets it over to John. And unfortunately, John just doesn't get quite enough of it over the top of Andre Rawls, but Rawls does get a hand on to it, say that knocks it out. But at that time, the referee was ready to blow his whistle for the end of the match. One nothing, a huge three points. Like you guys said, a huge monkey off the back after four straight draws against this team. That's 466 minutes for Carl Wazinski on a goalless on on a, on a goalless streak. That's five straight clean sheets. All. Of team records as far as minutes uh clean sheets you know never giving up a goal in the month of june that has never happened for this club to ever go an entire month of giving up a goal i mean what can you say about the effort of these guys on friday night immense immense i mean from the opening whistle to closing to overcome that adversity being down a man for you know almost 60 minutes and to pull through maintain that win because there was tons of stoppage time in both those halves too um 
and really even limit Orange County's opportunities so that they only had two, three really quality chances. And then even at the very end, two really good chances to put a second one in. First, Evan Waldrop was the one doing the shooting, and then uh, moments later, Kavon Frader gives a great uh, quick ball for Waldrop on the wing. The substitutes link up, and then Waldrop plays it for Johnson, and, and you know, one heck of a save by Rawls, who was playing hurt, to make that save right before the final whistle. But um, you love to see that effort exactly from the first whistle to the last, literally to the last whistle, playing hard, playing the right way, and trying to make the fans proud. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a great match. And, I mean, it, a great effort from the team. I mean, they gave it all, and especially after such a tough match on the road in RGV the week before you know I mean that match that was frustrating I'm sure so to to be able to come out and to to start strong and be able to hold on to to the win I mean just a great effort I mean it was it wasn't the dollar beer night I think everyone was expecting we're used to more goals but uh it was still plenty dramatic I think so I mean it's just a great game no matter what and those blackout shirts are pretty sweet too (laughs) You know, and and to think about it, I mean, even though it was only a one nothing win, it makes us three and zero now on Dollar Beer Night. So you can't go wrong with with that, you know playing on those types of matches. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, well, we're gonna have to have to talk to Sam and let him know to keep him coming because I mean, yeah, I I think the atmosphere is just it's so much better. I think the fans, you know, they, it might be a little bit rowdy, but uh, the players definitely feed off that vibe. I think there's no doubt that, that we bring the atmosphere and the players provide the, the scenery. Yeah. In, incredible stuff all the way through. And um, yeah, not, not nearly as many goals as we usually see on a dollar beer night, but uh, great atmosphere, great effort and a no goal June. That's, something that's never happened in franchise history um jeff was saying off air we haven't even come close to doing that before so um and then the fact that almost all of this no goal june happens with our new coach rick Schantz, i mean that speaks such volumes to his preparation uh making sure that the defense was ready to go i mean you just can't you can't be any happier with the way this team is playing right now yeah, and you know, and to 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 Blair Gavin and and Corey Robertson as well. I mean, you know, those guys are having to step up big now as well. You know, with Patrice obviously leaving and you know having to take on you know somewhat expanded roles now. I mean, you know, let's let's not you know let's not just single out Rick for for his effort. Let's let's give a shout out to the whole coaching staff here. I mean, obviously. They have done wonders, you know, and just, and not only, you know, not only just the fact of having to deal with a coaching change at this time, but to keep everybody together. I mean, it's got to be the hardest part of this, I I think, is trying to make sure that your players are together and and all stuck on the same goal. You know, obviously when you're coaching and put you in a situation like this, I mean, that takes a lot, you know, on the players, especially, you know, for them to, to, step up and say okay we will fight for you rick obviously you've seen that you know in the matches beforehand when they're scoring goals they're going over to rick and they're going you know they're doing everything the team you know that's that's such joy to see those guys do those sorts of things and if it continues like this guys i mean the top is is where it's going to end up being you're right jeff and i mean 
I think we're seeing more and more the benefits of that Ecuador trip. That's actually what I was thinking when you were talking about the team chemistry is, you know, that trip and the experience of that and the team bonding and just everything they were able to absorb from that, the experience of playing in such a big game early on in the season. I think, I think the team really played around that. So, I mean, yeah, we're just seeing, we're seeing such great things from this club and I, I don't, see how it can keep getting better but it seems like it does every week you know it just seems like even even though we lose a coach we haven't missed a beat you know i think i'd say we've probably improved in form since patrice has left so it's it's kind of crazy to to uh be this blessed right now yeah definitely um important to note also that no matches this upcoming week we are off until uh july 14th i believe um it's gonna be that is yeah until july 14th so it's a nice 15 day break for these guys very well deserved um do you want to get into any team news i know there were a couple important stories before we go to news around the league and scores yeah definitely some team news this week obviously on thursday this week uh bobby dooley uh, the coo of the club was uh, given the title of general manager of the club, obviously a well-deserved honor for for Bobby. Uh, he's done a lot. He's done a lot as you know in the COO role of what he's been doing. You know, as the general manager, I think with Patrice moving on and Patrice may have some, you know, part of you know roster moves and obviously with Patrice moving on now and not being you know, involved in the team like that. They needed somebody in that role. So obviously Bobby Dooley steps into the role, but like I said, obviously he'd done a lot of that in the past. So, you know, great honor for him. Obviously that the second bit of news that nobody saw coming on Saturday, um, Zach Lubin gets loaned to the Seattle Sounders of MLS. Uh, unfortunately, situation for Seattle. Stephen Fry became injured. Uh, the backup goalkeeper for Seattle was injured, so they called up Tim Meredith from, I'm sorry, Brian Meredith from, from, uh, from Sounders 2 to be the starting goaltender Saturday afternoon against uh, Portland Timbers. And obviously in need, of a, in need of a backup goalkeeper because the two uh, other goalkeepers on their roster for S2 are 19 years old and they're not ready to bring them up in a backup role yet. They called Phoenix Rising, loaned out Zach Lubin. Zach gets the opportunity for at least you know, the next couple of weeks to uh, to be a back goalkeeper on an MLS roster. So you know, hats off to him. What a great honor! Um, what a great honor for him to get that, and then uh, you know, just to have the opportunity. Now, does this now does this signal that? Uh, John Burner might be ready, or if they have trust in Dallas J, don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see how that goes. So you know, but you know, like I said, hats off to Zach Lou for for getting an opportunity. Um, you know, being being from that area, uh, you know, going to school up there in Washington, playing with Puma, uh, the UPL when they were when they were in back then. Uh, a great honor for Zach to, to have that opportunity. Yeah, I'm mean, to be able to go back home in a way, you know, be able to play. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, cool for him to, to be able to be part of an MLS club and get up there for 
for uh, preparation. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was actually really surprised by it. I, I honestly can say I hadn't heard about the move until I saw him as a substitute on the starting lineup on uh, on my TV. So I had to do a double take and then take to see see what happened, how our backup goalkeeper ended up on a on Fox Ten yesterday. So I mean, cool for him. Hopefully, I would like to see him you know get some game time. I mean, it's not a exactly assuring i think for him that would be a big deal so uh yeah just great for him that's awesome to get that opportunity definitely um and you know that he showed a lot of potential even when he was making appearances with our club did end up getting save of the week and save of the month uh for that double stop against swope park rangers uh it's nice to see that an mls team recognizes him for that and you know, just a cherry on top is that it's a local team uh, near where he grew up. So always love to see people getting that call up to the MLS. Uh, we were talking off air. That seems like something totally inconceivable a couple of years ago. And now it seems like you're going to see more of that because we have so much promising young talent on this squad. Yeah, that we do. And, you know, it's, he's not the first he's not the first uh, Phoenix Rising slash Arizona. Arizona United player to spend time with the club and then leave for an MLS roster. Uh, London Woodbury being the first guy uh, who got to spend a couple of years uh, up with uh, uh, New England Revolution and is now playing uh, with Nashville SC over, you know, in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, great to see, you know, some guys, you know, finally get some recognition and know that that Phoenix is a place that, that can breed players. I mean, that's that's the amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Dominic said, it's just it, it wasn't something you would have you would have thought of, you know, a couple seasons ago. You don't think that MLS teams would look to Phoenix, but I mean, I think I think that speaks to our seriousness as a contender for MLS. You know, other teams are saying, oh, they have a quality squad in USL. You know, we're we're second place in the Western Conference, and um, you know, second place overall in the West. Eastern standings. So, I mean, I think Phoenix definitely has taken on that role as as one of the bigger teams in MLS now. And I mean, I think it's rightfully so. We have a quality squad, so it's uh, it's about time people took notice. Couldn't agree more. Um, so cool to see there Zach Lubin getting his shot. Uh, good to see Bobby Duell get a shot with the new general manager title. Um, one other thing too that might be. Of some of some solace for fans, uh, Michael Newton, the RGV goalkeeper last week, ended up being USL Goalkeeper of the Week. Um, he was part of the team of the week. He won Goalkeeper of the Week, not even honorable mention. So that's the kind of performance it took to keep us off the scoreboard, and it wouldn't happen again. As Cortez gives us the one nil win. Yeah, I mean that. That I think that's. I think we cannot feel too hard done about that RGB draw, given that you know, yeah, he had a a player of a goalkeeper of the week performance, and I mean, he hats off to him. I I thought that for for such a young keeper, he put in a great performance. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was difficult difficult match to watch, but good for him. And on that note, I think we can go to USL scores and standings. Before we do that, I want to quickly thank our sponsor, the Arizona Sports Complex. The Arizona Sports Complex is Arizona's premier indoor soccer facility 
on the southwest corner of 35th Avenue and Pinnacle Peak Road in Glendale. With newly installed air conditioning, the Arizona Sports Complex is home to youth and adult soccer year-round. Visit ArizonaSportsComplex.com for more information. So, Jeff, tell us about some of these interesting USL scores over the weekend. Yeah, let's get into uh, USL scores for this week. Let's uh, we'll, we'll talk about some things here as we get to the bottom part of the scores. Uh, Salt Lake, obviously, getting a one nothing win over Fresno on Tuesday this week, uh, getting them another huge three points uh, towards the top again. Um, Tulsa gets its first win of the season on Wednesday with a 2-0 win uh, over LA Galaxy 2. Um, what a surprising effort there, especially uh, coming you know just a couple of days after David Vaudrill gets fired from the Tulsa Roughnecks and they name Michael Na- Michael Nissen as the new coach uh, in Tulsa uh, to get him a win you know right in his first match uh, right off the bat uh, you know what a, what an effort from the boys uh, there in Tulsa to to back their new coach. Yeah, it's it's nice to see them uh, do something to improve the squad. Uh, SCN is kind of like Rick Shanson that he has a lot of local ties in the Oklahoma area. Uh, he had been part of that coaching staff for some time, and they hire from within, and they get the win, and then a draw too. So already yeah. things can go nowhere but up, and it's probably too little too late for this season, but uh, good on them. That's one of a few coaching changes, right? Yeah, three coaching changes on the week for for the USL, which is very strange. Um, obviously, that was that happened right at the beginning of the week. Uh, in the middle of the week, uh, it was Richmond's uh, Lee Kalishaw who stepped down after 19 years as 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 a coach, you know, for them. And now uh, assistant David Bulo takes over for them. And then the the real surprising news came on Friday that uh, Louisville Center Louisville City's coach uh david o'connor uh i'm sorry james o'connor uh took over the orlando city job uh in mls and what's interesting about the louisville city position now is that it's being run by three players on the club uh george davis the fourth uh former arizona united player paulo del piccolo is is part of that um i forget who the third guy is on uh the players that's that's doing that but it's going to be an interesting thing going forward especially for a first place club to lose their coach like this and you know now you've got to go through half a season where where it may be the players running the place and that that could be i i don't know guys that could be interesting when you get to the end of it yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's one of those things that you don't, as a fan or just an observer, you don't really know what to expect because these players, I mean, yes, they're leaders of the club and have captained the team, but it's, it's a lot different to set up a team every week tactically for a match. And uh, I have to imagine that they're running the training sessions as well. So it's, I think they're probably taking a lot from what O'Connor um, instilled there and the system that he had. But yeah, I mean, just just really weird, especially like you said, Jeff, a top club like Louisville. You you kind of expect them to to be able to find a, a interim or someone that they could hire on. So yeah, I mean, it, going forward, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And uh, just a, a hint at what might be to come. Uh, their first match was a 3-3 draw. They were up 2-0 and then fall behind, and they have to get a late equalizer there. So 
Louisville and Argentina learning the hard way that it's tough to uh, keep that defense going when you have to put the players in charge. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was that was just so topical. That was a great. <laughs> Great little segue right there. <laughs> nice, nice one. Hey, man, All right, mothers... The players just want to score goals. They're not really thinking about conceding. I mean, six combined goals for those teams, and yet neither of them won. <laughs> hey, that says it all. <laughs> all right, so we'll get into some more West Coast uh, Conference scores. Uh, on Saturday, it was a nil-nil draw between St. Louis and RGV. Uh, Tulsa comes back from that win and gets a 2-2 draw at home against Las Vegas. Uh, you know, an interesting result there. You get goals uh, from Morton and Rivas for Tulsa. And then on the other end, it was Kobayashi and uh, Mendiola for Las Vegas to get uh, the 2-2 draw there. Uh, so, you know, a point, a point of peace earned by both those teams. Another interesting result, Colorado Springs picks up a 1-1 draw uh, against San Antonio. Um, it was a pair of penalty kicks uh, in this match. It was, sorry, bear with me here. It was uh, Jordan Burt scoring for Colorado Springs late in the first half. And then it was Rafael Castillo uh, in the second half that uh, helped earn San Antonio a point there. Uh, an interesting result, guys. Let's talk about this one. Fresno at home gets nothing win for Sacramento. This one really surprises me, especially with the way Sacramento had been playing as of late. But maybe this could be one of those where all of a sudden the uh, the the gluttony of games that that Sacramento had been playing maybe catching up to them a little bit. I think that's exactly it. Um, you see, last week Sacramento's up two nil against St. Louis, and they give up two goals late. I, I think that might be some tired legs. And then here, uh, an important derby match, their first match against Fresno. Um, and they, they fall 2-0. And, guys, can we talk about that second goal in this match? Um, you have to. We, we, <laughs> well, yeah, you have to because, I mean, we all know Josh Cohen is such a great goalkeeper, but, Josh, what were you thinking? I don't think he was thinking that Frank Tayu would bang it from like 10 yards back of the center stripe and on a dime hit it into the 18-yard box and it bounces in. I don't I don't think that was in Cohen's realm no. of possibilities there. That was in stoppage I, time by the way. Second half stoppage time. Yeah, no no, that, I mean that goal was Beckham like almost, you know. I mean that just that was just ridiculous and but like you said, Jeff I mean, Josh knows better. We, you know, we we take pride in him as a goalkeeper. You know, and him being having a past in Phoenix, he was always class. So that's one of those moments where, uh, yeah, you ask yourself, what were you thinking? You know, that's that's uh, I mean, just crazy, crazy sequence for him. I mean, I'm I'm sure from his point of view, he was pushing forward, trying to trying to help rally his team to get a draw. But you just can't be caught out like that. Because, yeah. I mean, otherwise you get a sports center top 10 play on you and you're not <laughs> on the right side of it. <laughs> this is very true, very true. A, you know, t- a tough way to, to, to find yourself on sports center. Yeah. And then uh, uh, in, uh, the other result on Saturday, Reno gets a one nothing win over Portland. Um, there's a goal late in the second half from Daniel Musovsky that gives Reno three points and 
what a what a run Reno was on. I mean, after the first five or six matches, you thought they were dead, and now they're they're making this run again. I mean, it's just unbelievable what they're doing. Yeah, thirteen straight unbeaten now. That's a that's a franchise record. That's longer than the eleven unbeaten we had last season. Um, Reno, absolutely shades of last season. Uh, turning it on after a slow start, and they were up to fifth in the Western Conference. Uh, they actually have a better goal differential than Swope Park, but Swope Park has a match in hand. You know, after us, it's really, really packed tight, third through tenth in the standings. Um, Reno might end up in that third spot if they keep playing with this kind of form. They are the hottest team in USL right now. Yes, they are. They're very, they're very hot right now. So that was it for Saturday. We've got one match in the West going on currently uh, at the moment. It's in the 65th minute. Uh, L.A. has a 5-2 lead over Seattle Sounders 2 FC as we tape this. Uh, it's it's Efrain Alvarez again. He's got a pair. Uh, Mendez has a goal. Uh, Jeffrey Achimpong has a goal. Frank Lopez has a goal. I mean, here they go again on this this goal scoring run. Um, interest, interesting that that they're doing this again, and especially Alvarez. If Alvarez keeps this up, Lord only knows if they'd pull him up to the main roster. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, Jeff, when are we going to see him next to Ibrahimovic? Because I mean, at this rate, you got to get him on the field. It seems like he's getting you know a brace or a hat trick every few weeks. I mean, he, he's definitely shown a lot for such a young talent. And I mean, it's, um, you know, it's just, it's, a, I think it's Galaxy 2 has been due for it. I think the past couple of years they haven't had maybe the, the talent that they did early on in the USL. So, uh, yeah, I mean, good for them. And he's definitely going to be one of those players to look out for in the MLS. I mean, no that puts about him it. up. I mean, that puts him up on eight goals right now, which puts him almost near the top of the league lead, obviously, with the league leaders being at nine. So, I mean, and he's done this in such a short amount of time, too, because obviously, remember, he didn't start the season with the club. He came in partway through. So, I mean, he's not even doing this on a full season yet. I, I was just I was going to say like eight goals, but in how many games? Because, yeah, it's probably been, you know, maybe maybe 10 games or something like that. He probably hasn't been with the team that long. So, uh, I mean, great for him just showing his stuff. Yeah, yeah, just super impressive. You're definitely going to see that name, Efrain Alvarez, in an MLS uniform very, very soon. Um I mean, do we want to go through the standings right now? The The only thing I, I want to say before we go through the full standings is that's probably Fresno's biggest win as a club to beat a top three team in the West coming off of a two-match losing streak and really to just convincingly beat them and to have a goal that gets SportsCenter top 10. I know Jamal Johnson has supplied a few of those, but I don't think they've had that kind of marquee win this season. And so that is that is a big time result for Fresno, and it now puts them right on the cusp of that top eight. 
Well, you, you also have to give them credit for their 4-1 win over Swope Park Rangers two weeks ago. I mean, that was a huge win as well, considering where Swope's sitting in the standings as well. So, I mean, that's that's two top four teams now that they've beaten uh, on the season. So, I mean, they're obviously, maybe they're starting to find that 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 stretch where they're, they're going to be a good team, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they're showing it with the with the teams that they're beating. You know, getting getting results against Swope and Sacramento. Um, I don't think those were a fluke. I mean, from from watching the highlights, they definitely weren't. Especially last last night's game against Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think uh, I think Phoenix still has a great chance going to Fresno to pick up points. But it, I mean, it's definitely they're going to be a they're not going to be an easy team that we can just run over. There, I think. I mean, we all knew with with them having Frank Yallop there as their general manager that uh, he'd be able to put together a good team. I think it's taken them some time, but I mean, Dominic even said they're they're right on the cusp of playoffs, and I I would not be surprised to maybe see them in that in that seven or eight spot. I mean, I, uh, if they keep this up, it's possible. The, the yeah. one thing that doesn't bode well for Fresno, they already have 19 matches played, which is most in the league, I believe. And they're just inconsistent um, offensively. You know, in between those two wins, the other three matches in their last five are all losses, and they're all 1-0 losses. So for Fresno, the big question is, can they score goals? Because when they're able to score, they can put some good results on teams. But I I don't think they have the consistency, and I think they're just going to run out of matches. Unless someone really starts sliding. Yeah, you might you might be right there, Dominic. You might be right. Well, yeah. Let's get to the stand. Let's get to the standings real quick here. It's Real Monarchs at the top, thirty-seven points off of sixteen matches played. It's Phoenix Rising in second now, thirty-five points off of eighteen matches played. Sacramento in third, twenty-nine points off of eighteen matches. Swope Park is in fourth, twenty-eight points off of sixteen matches played. Uh, Reno is in fifth with their big run here, 28 points on 17 matches played. Orange County falls to sixth now with the loss, 27 points on 16 matches played. Uh, Portland Timbers, too, has fallen all the way down to seventh now, 28 points off of 17 matches played. They've lost three in a row and four of their last five. And Colorado Springs uh, ends the top eight right now, 24 points on 18 matches played. Then you get to the bottom half of the table. It's Fresno, like we said, in ninth at 22 points off of 19 matches played, most in the league. It's it's now uh, St. Louis in 10th, 22 points off of 17 matches played. San Antonio 11th, 21 points off of 15 matches played. Las Vegas Lights is in 12th, 17 points off of 15 matches. In 13th, it's Oklahoma City Energy with 16 points off of 16 matches played. It's LA Galaxy 2. If they win, they'll get to 16 points with 17 matches played. I'm sorry, it'd be 18 matches played, my fault. Then you're looking at Rio Grande Valley in 15th, 12 points off of 16 matches. Uh, It would be Seattle Sounders in 16th with 11 points off of 15 matches played. And then rounding out the top, rounding out the conference, uh, Tulsa gets their first win of the season finally. So now they're at 11 points off of 17 matches played. The only team in USL now not to have a win on their record Toronto FC 2 12 and 4 in the East. So they're the only team now winless in the league. But as you look at the standings in the West, uh, 
It's a six-point gap now between second and third, which is great news for Phoenix Rising fans. And even with two matches in hand, they'd still be a point ahead of Swope Park Rangers at the least. So for so those are positive numbers there. Obviously, second now down to eighth is 11 points so that gap is really growing huge so i think you know phoenix is really sitting in a really nice spot right now in the standings um obviously the gap between third place and eighth place is only five points which is which is really interesting that's starting to tighten up a little bit and then the gap like you were saying from third to 11th is only eight points which isn't too bad but after you get past 10th and you get to 11th now you're looking at a gap of eight points between third and 11th or even you're looking at a gap of even uh, five points from seventh to down to 12th so i mean you know the num the numbers are really skewing very well in phoenix rising's direction staying within the top of the top of the table um, but obviously getting some help with some of these uh, results uh, with teams in the top four, top eight that are losing and drawing, that are helping Phoenix Rising stay where they're at right now. Yeah, um, it's it's great to have that six-point cushion, especially with two weeks of not really playing. You would expect some teams to pick up some points in that stretch, but even with those matches, we should still be ahead when we travel to Fresno on the 14th. Um, yep. And as far as the bottom of the standings, it looks like it really looks like the top 11 teams still have a chance. Everyone else is kind of out of it. I mean, there's a four point gap from 11th to 12th and you go 12th through 17th. All those teams are, you know, 17 points and below. It's a pretty significant gap when you get down there. And unless unless one of those teams can just absolutely take off, um, you know, the Las Vegas lights of the world, the galaxy of the world, OKC, those teams are just kind of done. I mean, OKC put themselves in such a hole, they're trying to dig out of it, but it really doesn't look too good. No, it doesn't. It do I mean, like you said, OKC especially put themselves in such a hole. And yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing that separation, I would say. I think, I think all the teams in the top or in the bottom nine through 11 could, could compete for that final playoff spot. Um, like you said, Fresno may lack the consistency. I think, I think San Antonio is able to get up there. I think they've been a, you know, they've been a tough team as of late. So I think they could work their way back up, but yeah, I mean, we're definitely seeing a separation and kind of seeing what, uh, what the playoff standings and seating might look like. Yeah, and just a couple matches to watch over the weekend since we won't be playing. Um, you talk about interesting matches at the bottom. San Antonio, Oklahoma City Energy. That's almost a must-win for San Antonio, and yet OKC comes in on a three-match win streak. Um, Reno hosting Real Monarchs on July 3rd should be a phenomenal match. Uh, you have the best team in the West against the team on the hottest form, so that's going to be... A pretty exciting one, I would imagine. Then you get to Saturday. Um, and probably the match that stands out to me on Saturday is Real Monarchs having to travel to Sacramento. Uh, will Sacramento be able to pick it up? Will Real be able to deal with another road match um, just four days after a midweek road match? And then 
you know, there could be some interesting games, but none really jump out besides the ones I just mentioned. Yeah, I think that Real Monarch Sacramento match uh, could really go a long ways into telling, you know, how things could shape up in the second half. If Real gets a win out of that and goes to 40, and then you're putting Sacramento at 29, that's a real huge gap, you know, just from first to third alone. Um, you know, n- notwithstanding what some of the other teams could do, but, you know, that could really be, you know, could really start separating, you know, kind of like the top two, you know, a Real Monarchs and a Phoenix Rising that could really start separating that group of clubs from the rest of the standings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is a match that I look at it, and from, from a points perspective, I'm rooting for a draw. That would be great, you know, if if uh, each team's just able to split the points. I think Phoenix, you know, we'll, we may be uh, down a game to Monarchs, but I think I think we could pick it up. And I mean, I just I really feel like that uh, that July 29th encounter in uh, in Salt Lake. I just think that's going to be a crucial game for us if we can just keep keep doing what we've been doing. The results have been going our way, and you know, we could find ourselves in the one-two, you know, match on uh, the end of July. Yeah, it's it's setting up really nicely that match at the end of July, um, and then as far as Phoenix is concerned, the two games that the Monarchs have in hand are at Reno at Sacramento. So, big opportunities for those teams to pick some points up, help ours help us out, so that we can be right there, um, right in that hunt for the top seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be sweet. <laughs> Well, at this point, unless anyone has anything else, I think we should go to supporter section questions, which we have missed the last couple weeks. Let's go for it. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, and a big shout out to all the fans who were very loyal with us um, and, you know, were okay with us missing the last couple weeks of supporter sections. We got four great questions this week, um, and so we're really excited to go through those right now. So the first one, let me pull these up right now. By the way, the first couple come from the Ghost of Luke Rooney. If you guys don't follow this account on Twitter, follow this account. It just came up pretty recently within the last month, but it's a great follow. Lots of information. I have no idea who's behind it, but uh, phenomenal no. stuff. And this Yeah, kudos on the name. Great name. Yes, great name. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Uh, the first, it's kind of a two-parter. The first one is ownership will be in Atlanta for the All-Star game and was in LA for LAFC's first home game and got tours of the infrastructure. We know since he was told about their bid in LA. Is rising close to MLS or is this just a courtesy that all bid owners do? And then part two is sources, one of Berkey's latest tweets, and someone maybe Dole or Sam had posted pics about touring LAFC's training grounds and ownership posted pics from that game. That was Sam Dore that went to LAFC, by the way. Well, I mean, we already know that that they have a they have a meeting set up in July. My guess is obviously that's where they're gonna meet is in Atlanta at the All-Star game. But obviously Mark Detmer a couple of weeks ago had, had sent out, you know, had had that interview with, with Brad Sesmat, you know, that they were going to meet with MLS executives. Um, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that we've seen, you know, Phoenix executives, 
you know, in different places checking things out. You remember last, you remember earlier this year, they were in Kansas City checking out Sporting Kansas City's facility and and things they had going on there. They obviously, you know, were invited to check out the LAFC, uh, the the new building there, and and get some feels for things there. Obviously, they're taking all of this information in, you know, just so they can, you know make little tweaks and adjustments here and there to their stadium and what they would like to do in the end, you know, with, with their final decision as to what they're going to do with the stadium. But, you know, are they any closer to, you know, to a, to, to an MLS bid? I, I would say no at this point, you know, do we still know that they're on the radar map? Sure. Yeah. They're, they're definitely on the radar map, obviously. Um, I think maybe they may have a clearer, picture maybe you know once the all-star game happens and once they have a chance to sit down with the MLS executives and say okay we've checked off this box and this box and this box well now we're down to this you know what do we need to do I think that's maybe where this July meeting is heading to see how close they are and what final steps they may need to take yeah I I, I think you're right Jeff I think I think this Atlanta visit might be a little bit of, yeah, a final walkthrough, if you will, a, a sit down to to review with MLS and to to go over everything and to make sure, you know, I think I think uh, MLS probably wants assurances on the land, and I think that's something, you know, we've talked about that is still kind of being worked out behind the scenes by the front office. Um, but I mean, for me, just. The fact that that the front our front office is going and visiting these other franchises. I mean, what we mentioned, Sporting Kansas City, the top team in the West, LAFC, uh, they're one of the top teams in the Western Conference, and then Atlanta, the top team in the East. I mean, I think Phoenix is setting a really high bar. I think we are trying to learn from the best and do everything that we can to make Phoenix an instant success in MLS and to be looked at as one of those top teams that. Uh, you know, that fans will come from not only, you know, the city of Phoenix, but even surrounding areas, maybe, uh, maybe you know, northern Arizona and New Mexico to come out to matches because I think they really want us to be the premier uh, soccer team right here in the southwest. And, I mean, I'm just I'm so excited. I think they're going to do a do a great job. Yeah. And to get back to the question, are we close to MLS? I think the one piece that we need is just the land assurances. And it was actually mentioned in the interview with Brad Sesmat. And again, uh, when we recorded last week, they're looking to get that land assurance very soon, one way or another, because they know the Phoenix rising ownership knows that it needs to have its destination when they go talk to MLS officials in New York and probably again in Atlanta they need to have that finalized before any of that other stuff happens. So I would expect that these meetings are going to be in late July, right before the August 1st All-Star game. But yeah, something has to happen sooner than later. I think, are we close to MLS? It depends on whether our our land is satisfactory by MLS standards. But if it is, I think everything else is now in motion. The financial backing support from other owners so and and i love that they're going to atlanta meeting with these other owners and that they've done the same already with sporting kc and lafc before we get on to whether there's a second part to to 
his question or not. I don't know if you saw another one of his posts earlier. I don't know if it was earlier this week or maybe it had been before. But he was bringing up potentially another piece of land in Phoenix. Did you guys see that? I heard about something about a golf course, the old Phoenix, maybe something like that. The old Phoenix Country Club downtown. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I I personally am for a downtown venue. I think I think it has the appeal of MLS. I think MLS loves downtown. They love being able to get the video of people marching through the street. They love being able to help out local businesses and have have like we talked about the. the transportation there, the light rail, you know, city buses and um, everything else that comes with the downtown location. So, I mean, I think I think that's a great option. I, I, I mean, I think it's something they should definitely look into. I, I, I like the idea. I think, I'm not sure if it was even uh, Ghost of Luke Rooney or another person that, that tweeted it. I like the idea. It's just the fact that it's the location that was proposed by this fan was it's a country club phoenix country club which has been around a long time um i don't know how realistic it is unless we're really splashing cash to just buy out that country club land um i i don't see the members of that club being the kind of people that you can just uh easily uh win over with just a few bucks i feel like there would have to be a pretty significant offer and you know compared to our chances with the current temporary stadium site, I, I would be very surprised, which is a shame because I like the location, but I think that's why it's such a valuable country club and because it is closer to downtown. Um, maybe I'm too pessimistic about that, but. Well, no, I mean, you bring up a great point. It's it's going to be very tough to, to repurpose that country club, especially when it's been such a staple in that in that community. Um, I mean, you're being you're being a realist. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but let's let's go to some other questions because we have a few more really good supporter section questions this week. Uh, the next one comes from Harry at Ramencole, who is a very frequent listener. Uh, thank you so much for the support, Harry. And his question is. If you could be Jake Edwards, what changes would you make to USL to make the league even better? Ooh. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, the, the biggest thing that will happen within the next year, I, I think, and we're all pretty much in agreement with this, is you'll see a th- at least a three-conference system you know, coming up next year. So, I mean, that's, that's a guaranteed probably given. Would it be interesting to see some sort of promotion relegation within, say, D2 to D3 and kind of, you know, would you, you know, the certain established clubs and then, and then between others make, you know, make something work? That could be interesting. Um, I think the only other thing that you might be able to do is, maybe get some more advertising out there on a bigger scale. I mean, you know, I, I I think USL is still kind of tucked in a little bit behind, you know, MLS when it comes to getting name, getting your name out there and everything. 
you know, but obviously they've made strides in the fact that, you know, they have the ESPN contract where they, they play games during the summer months, you know, on ESPN News or ESPNU, the championship game gets played over the air. Um, obviously, you know, with USL teams making deep open cup runs, they get, you know, they get some publicity there, such as, you know, such as what FC Cincinnati did last year. Um you know, but I think there's got to be a way they can tap into some something advertising related and get themselves out there on a bigger name. If they can do that, then I think from there, I think the sky is the limit for this league. Those are those are some great uh, great suggestions, Jeff. I mean, I really personally, I like the promotion relegation. I'm all for it, and I think I kind of think that that is the USL's plan over time. I think they do see a promotion relegation type situation i think it's it's definitely going to take a few years to uh to instigate that type of uh system but another thing that that i was just thinking i mean this would just be a purely for a fun fan perspective would be a an all-star game and we do it similar to the nfl you know fan voted eastern western conference and maybe do like the day before the week before the uh Ah, you should do it the day before the the USL Cup final, and it, I mean, say players on those the teams playing in the final are voted, they'd obviously be substituted. But I think an All Star game would just be something fun, you know. We don't see enough of the the Eastern and Western Conference teams playing, and I think that would be a really fun thing to see just for the for the fans. Yeah, there. In the next few years, there's going to be so much opportunity for experimentation and growth with this league so i think it's a phenomenal question for harry to pose the thing that pump that pops to my mind is how is the playoff system going to work with three conferences and i think what i am thinking like might be a fun idea would be you have the top three in each conference get automatic berths to the playoffs and then maybe the next seven teams, just the best, the next seven with the highest point totals, those end up being like the next seven teams in the playoffs. And so you might have some interesting matchups. You might have an Eastern team versus Western team in the first round. Because how else are you really going to do it if there's a three-conference system? I mean, they're going to be just just discovering and seeing how they're going to do playoffs for three conferences is fascinating because you definitely can't go more than 16 teams. But are they just going to do top 16 on points? Are they going to do, you know, top few guaranteed for each conference and then have the bottom seven uh, just go wherever they have to go? I personally like that idea because it gives more of a reward for finishing, you know, top three in your respective conference. And each each conference is going to end up being like 12 teams. So uh, it'll make those late season matches very important uh, for all of those teams so that not only are you almost guaranteed a home berth if you manage that top three finish, but you also know that you're not going to potentially be traveling a ridiculous distance. Uh, Another idea could be reduce the number of playoff teams to 12. Um, The top two from each conference automatically get in. Uh, the remaining, maybe like, you know, maybe yes. maybe teams seven through eighteen could just play one match playoffs, and then those six winners end up going to the next round. 
there are all sorts of there are all sorts of scenarios you could do with playoffs, but one that I want to see, I actually would like to see a few less playoff teams and just have two-legged ties. I really want to see two-legged ties. You can't do it for a cup final, but every level until the final, I would love to see two-legged ties because it's just more fair. And it should make more money for the clubs. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I mean, because that's the way the MLS does it right now. I mean, they play two-legged ties all the way up through to the MLS Cup, and the MLS Cup is a one-game shot. And yeah, I... I don't see why you can't do something similar to that. I mean, you know, play on back-to-back weekends like they do. And, you know, I think that would be a great idea. Um, you know, I think eventually I think eventually, what's going to happen, because if you saw um, John McPherson's post from, from a couple of weeks ago where he talked about a whole bunch of things league-related, you know, they're still looking at expanding even more and more as you get through not only this year, but next year and the year after, I mean, you could be up to as many as say, you know, 42, 44, 46 teams, you know, and, and by that point you could be looking at a four, at even a four conference format, you know, even if you have a four conference format, you can still make things work with say a 16 team playoff with the top four in each conference. And then, you know, figuring it out from there, you know, what the what the the breakdown you know if you're going to do an east versus an east a west versus a west or if you cross them up or something you know however it would work you know but i i I think we're heading in that direction because obviously a lot more teams you know coming into the league over the next few years i mean we're gonna you know we're already at 34 this year we're looking at 37 if i remember correctly we're like 37 or 38 for next year already when you talk about Austin coming in and Albuquerque coming in and El Paso coming in, uh, you know, and Birmingham is supposed to come in and there's rumor of Hartford and Baltimore wants a team and Chicago will have a team in a couple of years. So you can already see the number is going to be growing to plus 40. So obviously there's, you know, that there's gotta be some plans in the works already, you know, at the, at the league offices as to, as to where they want to go conference wise with this. Yeah. And I think I think you brought it up earlier, Jeff. I mean, it's I think it's going to be four conferences, or like you said, maybe we see that promotion relegation instituted after after a period of time. Because yeah, I mean, just having a league of that size is it's going to make playoffs really really interesting. <laughs> you know, maybe have a promotion relegation have have a, you know like a a top tier division and a lower tier division in U.S. within USL. Uh huh. Maybe have some sort, you know, or you have top twenty. Let's say the top twenty-eight teams, just just for a, you know, let, let's let's say a round example. So top twenty-eight teams. You have four, two, fourteen team divisions. Okay, the, you know, the bottom three, let's say from each conference, have to go down to the, you know, to this other division and the top, you know, sim- something similar. Work their way up. Maybe you have something where the league winner from the top division plays the league winner from the lower division and, and have a, a true championship game that way, or, you know, who knows how it's all going to work out, but it, you know, you can have a lot of interesting ideas as, as you move forward in these years, you know, with so many teams coming into the league. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's going to be fun. I mean, this this league has just grown tremendously fast, and I mean, I don't think it has grown too much for its for its own good. I think it's been manageable growth because we've seen successful uh, franchises, you know, all throughout all throughout the league. So it's you know, USL is definitely doing something right right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, one thing that you might want to check out, um, you might want to check out. Uh, how Series C, how Series C works in Italy. Uh, if you talk about us getting to forty plus teams, they have a very interesting um, promotion relegation system where there are three conferences of, I want to say like sixteen or seventeen teams, and they have a massive promotion relegation playoff to you know the second division of Italy. Um, but really, it's it's so that the teams at the top of the standings get a pretty massive advantage and they don't even have to enter the playoff until the quarterfinal round even though like the top 24 teams all technically have a chance to get promoted it's it's an interesting model to maybe look at and see if we don't do pro rel should we try something like that and you know i think the magic number is 40 once we get to 40 we have to start seriously thinking about pro rel and if that happens I definitely want it to happen where right after the regular season, uh, Mr. Edwards announces to everyone, all right, following the next season, you know, all the teams in the bottom of three of each conference are getting relegated so that there's just an arms race for that one season. I want that season to be entertaining, super, super entertaining because everyone knows there are high stakes. That would be great. Yeah, it would because it it would make teams getting off on a you know a five or six <laughs> loss start you know that would pretty much doom them. So it would definitely make teams care more in the beginning of the season and bring about a, a different strategy for sure. And and especially like force some of these MLS two teams to show their true colors because yeah. <laughs> I've heard I've heard that some of them want to be second division and some of them don't mind going down to like USL D two, yeah, third division. And so, you know, show your true colors. If you're if you're Galaxy and you want to stay second division, then, you know, don't give up for the first two months of the season and then start playing your young talent. I want to see these teams go after it. So that would be, you know, that would I would love for uh, Pro Rel to happen like that. And then one season where it's just like, all right, guys, put up or shut up. <laughs> yep. We do have a couple more questions, too. I don't think the other ones are quite as open-ended as that. But the next one comes from Nick at nperrier12, another regular listener. He says, I'm feeling more comfortable with our roster right now that we can make a deep run in the playoffs. But I've been seeing other contenders, uh, i.e. Tampa adding Poku and Real adding uh, Blake. uh, I guess other contenders adding, guys. Do we feel like we need any more pieces to make a serious run? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think we're pretty solid in where we're at right now. I mean, I don't know that you're really going to be able to go out and find somebody that's really going to be somebody that makes a huge difference. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if somebody were, let's say if somebody were to come to us 
from an MLS club and says, "Hey, we'd like to loan somebody to you for a few games, so you know they can get some experience." Similar to say a Sam Hamilton situation like last year. I mean, I, I don't think that the the club would be you know opposed to doing something like that. But I mean, I, I think if you're seriously actively going out and looking for somebody, I don't think there's anybody really to look at because I don't really don't think there's a position right now where we're really struggling anywhere. I think we're all starting to really gel together as a group. And I don't think Rick Chance wants to mess with that at all. Yeah. I'm with you, Jeff. I mean, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I, I personally think we have the depth and I mean, we've even had a few injuries with, with Billy Forbes and John Burner being out. So, and then Victor Vasquez as well. So, I mean, I think, I think that once these players are back and we have a full strength squad, I mean, We've talked about it all season. I think we have one of the top squads, and I, like you, I can't really think of any players that would be available out there. I mean, maybe, yeah, like you said, we get a, we get a player on loan from MLS or, or somewhere else, but I, I don't really see the need to, to make any changes right now. I think, I think we have a really deep team. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. The only thing I could see is, like, you know, maybe FC Cincinnati with its large roster and they have like a guy who's not getting a lot of starting time. They know that he's not going to really make the move with them to MLS. You know, maybe we could get a guy on loan from a team like that, like FC Cincinnati. But um, I don't think we need any of those pieces. Um, so I'm totally with you guys. And the last question comes from Ruben Rivera, another regular listener. Thank you very much. He is at Ruben197376, and he says, Since Alex Zhang is on board, is there a good chance of a friendly match between Phoenix Rising and OGC Nice in the near future? And not unless we go to MLS, right? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't think so if we, unless we get to that point. Yeah, then I think he would try to arrange something like that. But, you know, I think, you know, us finding matches against you know, clubs like, uh, you know, like we did this, this year, you know, you know, for, for our friendly in the preseason, I think works out perfectly. I know, I remember at one point there was talks that they were trying to possibly find somebody for a friendly match this week, you know, so that they would, you know, kind of keep their, their, their rhythm going. But that was talked months ago when Patrice Carter run was here. So I don't think anything was ever made of that, you know, but you know, I'm sure with his connections and I, even even with Brett Johnson now, you know, trying to become an owner of an A-League team over in Australia, I mean, that could be something that I'm sure could also be worked on in the future as well, you know, if they make the MLS, you know, but, you know, I, I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. I don't. No, I, I don't. I don't think so either. I think I think that would have to wait. Till, yeah, we had some MLS assurances. I could, I could kind of see that match happening more, maybe um, in that in that transition period where we were going to be playing in Sun Devil Stadium. You know, maybe maybe then they host that kind of a, a friendly, that big of a match. But for right now, yeah, I, I think I think till we're in MLS, yeah, we don't see that uh, caliber of a opponent in a friendly, especially coming all the way from. I mean, you would think it would be here in the valley for them to fly all the way from Nice to here. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know if that would be a, be feasible logistically. 
Oh, I think it would have to be one of those situations too, where they're playing, you know, a group of friendlies over here, you know, yep. similar to what you see in the International Champions Cup, you know, when teams, you know, like Real Madrid and you know, with Manchester United this year and and other clubs come, you know, coming over and playing friendlies against not only teams from Europe but also playing friendlies against MLS sides, you know, on an off week, you know, to to kind of fill their their preseason schedule out. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely, uh, you're definitely dead on right there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think, Jeff, you were totally on point where it would have to be a series of matches, and, uh, you know, the only way that we're even in the conversation for that is if we reach MLS. So I, I can't see that in the next couple of years. Maybe in five years, but who knows. So that's it for supporter section questions. Do you guys want to give final thoughts as we wrap this up? Sure. Um, yeah, you hate for this to be a bad time to, to have an off week, you know, being that they're on such an impressive run right now, but you know, we'll take, we'll take the off week while we have it. Let's enjoy it. Let's, you know, recharge, you know, us as fans and us as reporters need a week to kind of recharge ourselves and, and kind of get ready for the for the stretch run of the season, and you know, and, and obviously, hopefully, yeah, front as well. But you know, I got to say, hats off to the boys. I mean, they have done you know, they they have done an excellent job through everything that has been thrown at them this last month. Uh, you know, Patrice leaving and Rick taking over. Uh, you know, just playing solid games, whether it's at home or on the road. Uh, dealing with adversity such as they did Friday night against. Uh, Orange County with Cody Wakasa getting the red card. I mean, but I mean, you know, you can't do anything but love the effort that you've seen from the guys. Love what they're doing. Be proud to be a Phoenix Rising supporter. You know, I love covering this team right now and everything that they're doing. I mean, they're they're setting the bar this year higher than they have in the past. I mean, they are going to you know, you look at it now at 17 matches or 18 now after, after this week, you know, they're setting records like they've never expected to set before. And I guarantee you, they're going to break the points record this year, you know, for, for most points in a season. I, Chris Cortez and maybe even Solomon Asante are going to get close to that club record of 14 goals in a season from, from long tan. Um, you know, I, I think we're in for a wonderful, spectacular second half, and and everybody, take a break, enjoy it, and let's get charged for a big second half to come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they earned this week off. You know, this past month, it's it's been nothing but perfection as far as the defensive standpoint from the team. And I mean, it, I think that uh, this is this is a great time. You know, yeah, it would have been nice to to keep the matches going and to keep the boys in a rhythm, but. I think they get a break this week. You know, we we come back against Fresno, and then we play Seattle at home, and then we have that big matchup in Salt Lake. So, yeah, I mean, they just they just need to you know to take a break, but also mentally just stick stick with their uh, their weekly routine and just get ready. I mean, I think like you said, Jeff. I mean, we're just we're record setting right now, and we're on the track to to break even more. I mean, you mentioned you know possibly the points total in the the 
goal scored for the season. I, I think we could all, Carl will be able to get most shutouts in a season as well. I mean, he's he's well on his way there right now, and he he's shown no sign of, of a dip in form. So, I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's awesome. I mean, it, from a fan standpoint, yeah, it's just it's so exciting to to watch right now. Uh, I have to pinch myself at times just to just to be sure that this is all real. And I can't wait for the I can't wait for the voting this week to come from the league offices for for player and coach of the month. I swear, if we don't see Rick Schantz and, and Carl Wazinski on those on those ballots, I think I'm going to be shocked, surprised, and going, "What has the league been watching this week?" <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the, the, both of them have have been standouts this month, especially Rick. I mean, I think so many people expected us to have a drop off. And that just, that was not the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's been remarkable what we've, what we've seen since Rick has come into the fold. Um, and I, I think that's where we have to end it is just no goal. June first time in franchise history. The defense is looking even stronger than it did under Patrice Carterone, which I never thought I would be able to say that. Um, things are clicking on all cylinders. Carl Wazinski is just a rock back there. Uh, we're getting timely goals uh, from Chris Cortez. It's just a team effort, everyone moving forward together. And if this keeps up, if this run of form keeps up, we have a lot of winnable games coming up in the month of July. We can get the best record in USL this season. It's actually a very realistic thing. Um Tune in next Sunday, by the way, or next Monday is when it'll come out. We are going to, with the off week, uh, restore a tradition, a semi-annual tradition, and do our mid-season risers, um, our Oscar awards for the team, so to speak. So uh, keep your eyes and ears posted on Twitter. We're going to do some polls that all you fans out there can vote on, and then we will give our picks for each of those categories. Team MVP, goal of the season... Uh, you know, LVP of the season, which honestly, I don't think we really have too many options for that this year Um, and some other fun categories. So that will be fun. (laughs) But really, all I got to say is we, I think we're actually going to finish with the best record in USL this year. And that's crazy. It is very crazy to think about. I mean, we, I don't know that a month, month and a half, two months ago, we would have even been sitting here thinking of that, you know, because we had always questioned, okay, well, is the defense strong enough? Or are we going to find somebody that, that's going to pick up the goal scoring slack? Or, but all of those, all of those questions that we've had have been answered. I mean, so, you know, I think at this point, like we've said, I think the sky's the limit at this point. We, you know, I don't think we know what to we know what to expect from these guys every week, but I mean, I don't think we know how to expect them because we don't know from week to week, which person it's going to be. That's going to be the guy that steps up and, and takes charge. I mean, and that's what I love about this team is that it's not just one person to look to the whole team of players that we can look to every week and say, this person's going to make a difference or that person's going to make a difference. And that, that's a lovely thing to have instead of saying every oh, we can count on this guy. Yeah, I mean, it just it makes it a tough team to play. I think I think that 
that you know we have so many weapons and so many so many players that can be a difference maker that other teams at times you know find themselves overwhelmed when it comes to planning that you know probably plan for our big name players but you know like we like we saw their night Kevon Amber, who's someone that normally isn't that far upfield and making a pass to the box like that able to set up Chris Cortez so yeah just everyone from the team stepping up and I mean it's it's just inspiring, you know. It's it's one of those things that this season we, we had a lot of worries. I mean, you know, yeah, Jeff, if you go back to us questioning the defense, I think I think we look a little ridiculous now given this past month. Um, but uh, I mean, it's, it's 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 just great. I mean, just all around great effort, and yeah, I mean, the Saya is definitely the limit. I think that's the perfect place to end it, um, unless you guys have anything else. Well, so. let's have, let's enjoy a great week off and 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 let's let's get charged for the second half. Yeah, yeah. Let's you know it's more work to be done. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for the risers. Until then, this is Dominic Kearns signing off and saying, "Go rising." Go rising. Go rising. like to thank our sponsor Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.